it's such an honor for me to just be here with you guys um, this morning. If I am a stranger to you, um, my name is Nonta Andombata, um, and I am a daughter of Rick Road. Um, you may be asking how. If you're a daughter, like I, I don't often see you around, that is very true uh, because um, I think last year I felt the Lord nudge me to go to the city congregation and be a help and a support there. So I am currently there with Tom and Knox helping to just strengthen the church. Um, and to serve them as well as a, a, a relatively new church plant. Um, so just a little bit about me before I begin. Uh, I am a daughter to my 62-year-old gray-haired mama, Nogatula. <laughs> she will smack me for this, but it's fine. And I have two older brothers that are very loving and overprotective uh, and a very uh, lovely sister-in-law as well. Just to tell you a story before I begin, uh, I think last week or the other week, my mom called us for a family meeting. You always know there's trouble there. Luckily, there was no trouble. And so I decided to pull a prank on my brothers, all right? And then uh, just before the meeting had st started, um, my mom and I were like pulled in on this one. And uh, we were like, yeah, we, need, we have news to share with you. And um, we have received a letter from a particular family asking for my hand in marriage. <laughs> my, my brothers are brown, but they were pale that day. <laughs> so, shame. Woe to the one that will be asking for my hand in marriage. That will, good luck to that guy that will be sending a letter. <laughs> so, yeah, that is me in a, a nutshell, right? Today we'll be continuing with our Luke series, and uh, over the past two weeks, um, I, you guys have been looking at Luke 17, um, and Prince preached on. Uh, forgiveness and gratitude, and then you had U Butsimi um, preaching last week on losing your life so that you would gain it. And so today I have the privilege of continuing this Luke series, and to, our reading today will be taken from Luke 18, uh, and the passage will be from verses 1 to, seven, to 17. The main themes in this passage is being persistent in prayer and faith, and um, being humble as well. So if you have your Bibles with you um, on your phone or physically, you can turn to Luke 18 with me, and we can start to read. I, I believe it will be up on the screen as well. Yes, it is. Right. The parable of the persistent widow. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, 
But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So I have to warn you, it might seem like I'm a bit all over the place, but please just keep with me, right? So uh, this first parable that uh, Jesus shares in this passage is of the persistent widow and the unjust or the unrighteous judge. And Luke tells us at the very beginning why Jesus told this parable, right? He told this parable so that the disciples ought always to pray, right, and not, and not lose heart. So, so it's almost as if he's giving an interpretation of the passage uh, right at the beginning and not at the end, right? And so we learn that this judge from this passage had, he was very proud, and he had a hardened heart. Like, he's, like it said, that he, he did not fear God, nor did he have any respect for man. There was no deference towards anyone, whether great or small. So he, did, he literally didn't care. He was like an island, uh, and he didn't care about anyone else. So this judge, as we see, was very ungodly, both as a man and a judge, right? And said that for a while... He, he refused to give this widow justice against her adversary, but because it was because she kept coming to him, right, to ask for the same thing, um, and eventually he, he got frustrated with her persistence, with her nagging, basically. <laughs> she was nagging him for the very same thing. Eventually he said to himself, ah, you know what, even though... Uh, or I do not fear God, uh, and I don't really respect man, because this woman just keeps bothering me. Let me just give her what she's asking of me, and I will avenge. I will avenge for her. Right. And so this judge granted, this judge granted this woman justice because he, would, he was annoyed, right? He was not he was not convicted or moved with compassion in any way, right? In fact, like I just said, that he, he could not be bothered by, he could have not been bothered by the afflictions that she was facing, the persecutions that she was facing, but it says that, sorry, it says that he was actually reluctant to give her what she was asking for, right? Sorry, my notes. Um, and this, this widow um, represents basically the poor. Um, it, she represents the afflicted or the persecuted, right? And we learn that this widow was persistent in her pursuit for justice. She kept going to the judge, which means that she endured 
it's not nice uh, to be in that position of basically begging, you know? So she, she was enduring. She, she, she was committed. Um, this guy says that persistence was actually her only asset in seeking justice. That's all she had was for her to be persistent. That's the only asset she had in pursuing justice, right? And in her heart, there was a sense of hope that if, if only I just keep going, maybe not today, but maybe if I go tomorrow, maybe, maybe he will give me justice against my adversary, right? The, the widow here, yeah, we, we learned that she did not lose heart, right? She did not, she was unwavering. She was tenacious in her pursuit for, for justice in her pursuit for justice. Um, so we, as we've seen at, right at the beginning of the parable that Jesus told the parable so that we ought always to pray and not lose heart, right? Um, there are some reasons why we may lose heart in prayer, in praying, in being persistent in prayer. Um, and number one, the primary reason is that the enemy hates prayer. He does not want us to pray. That's the number one reason we, we may lose heart in, in praying or in being faithful. Um, we also lose heart in prayer because we are not always convinced of the reality of the power of prayer, right? And I also just want to say it's, it's actually not... In our, the power is not in us praying, but the power is in the one that hears us praying, right? That's, so we're not always convinced of the power of God, right? And often, prayer becomes a lost um, resort, right? We, we often come to it, and then we come back to God and say, Ew. <laughs> I need your help, Lord. When we first toiled on our own, instead of making him the first thing that we go, the first person that we go to, even before we share with our spouses, if you have a spouse or your mom, um, he should be the first person we go to with our with our anything, our requests, basically, right? And this one touches me a lot, this last point, is that um, many times we, we consider consistently asking God uh, for something as simply a lack of faith that he'll do it the first time we've asked him. I'll repeat that. So many times we consider asking God consistently for something as simply a lack of faith that he'll do it the first time we've asked him, right? It's like, uh, if I continue to just pray the same thing over and over again, Lord, it feels like I'm just not, like I'm not trusting you enough by saying the same prayer or uh, coming to you again and again about the same thing like this widow, right? 
So I have found that I've, I relate a lot to this point uh, where I just, I pray and then, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it into your hands, you know, and that's it, which is a good thing. But when you really check the heart, mm, do you really have the faith that he's heard you? Right. And then we read in verse 6 to 8, it says, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to tell you he will give justice to them speedily? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Right? Jesus basically says, sorry, He's saying that if this proud judge, right, who had no regard of God and he, he, was, he didn't have any sense of con- conviction or compassion, if this judge could eventually give this woman justice against her, adver- her, her adversary, how much more, how much more will God do for his children when they cry out to him day and night? How much more? Right? Um, the woman persisted, um, was persistent in order to overcome the judge's reluctance. Right? It said that the judge was reluctant to give her justice. So, in her, in her being persistent and tenacious and unwavering, she was trying to overcome his reluctance, his no, basically, right? And sometimes we feel that we need to, we need to do the same when we pray. When we are praying to our Father, to our God, we feel like we need to use our persistence when we do pray persistently in order to overcome God's reluctance. That misses the point of this parable completely. Um, the, Jesus said that he didn't say that we ought always to pray and not lose heart because God is reluctant. But he's saying that because he isn't. He isn't reluctant when we come to him, when we ask him for things. And that is our encouragement in prayer, right? Sometimes it does seem, it does seem that God is reluctant in answering our prayers. Yet the delays in prayer are not needed to change God, right? But to change us. Persistence in prayer brings a transforming element into our lives, building into us the character of God himself, right? Um, there are... We, from this passage and from what Jesus is saying, we can pick up um, several contrasts between this unjust judge and our God, our loving Father, right? This judge was unfair. God is fair. He is. He is fair. Sometimes things happen, you're like, Hi, no, 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 no. Are you sure? <laughs> you know? Sometimes things 
like that happened. But the truth is, the, the truth is that we know from his word is that he is fair. He's a just judge. He does not harbor justice, right? The judge that we've read of had no personal interest in the widow. God loves and cares for those who petition him. He loves us. He cares for us. Um, and we're reminded of how God cared for, for the Israelites, the apple of his eye, the apple of his eye. That, that is what we are to him, the apple of his eye, right? The judge answered the widow's cry um, out of self-interest. He was just tired of being bothered. That's the only reason why he answered this, um, the, the widow's request, right? God loves to bless his people for their good too. For their good too. We need to be assured that God is not like the unjust judge. So we should keep praying to the Lord who will resolve all things righteously. Our God is a righteous and wonderful judge. That is the truth. Right? We come, some more characteristics of God. We come to a, a judge who has perfect, good character. Right? A judge who loves to care for his children. He absolutely loves it. We come to a judge who is kind and gracious. A judge who knows us, who calls us by name. And we come to this judge with an advocate, Jesus Christ, a friend who will plead our case before the judge. We come with we come to the judge with promises, with, who has promises for us to encourage us. Um, I felt led to, to share a bit of a story, uh, a personal story, um, regarding this point of our judge having promises to encourage us, right? Uh, so I think about, about eight years ago, I lost my dad. Um, and after losing him, yeah, uh, we, what do I call it? We faced some injustice in that um, we were basically uh, told to, that we have no right uh, to our family home in Newcastle uh, by, by family members. Um, and they basically chucked us out of the house and they said, this is our brother's house, and you guys don't have a place here. It's not your house, and whatnot. Mind you, my, my mom and dad were actually married, and that was their home, or is their home. Um, and, yeah, my mom also just faced some very ugly things. Um, just being violently chased out of her own home, or being um, intimidated at night by these guys. Um, and so it's been an eight-year-long process of court trials and, yeah, seeking justice, basically. 
Um, and yo, my mom is my role model. She has been persistent in prayer, in asking God for justice. I mean, I know. <laughs> No, <laughs> it has. I haven't been. I have to be honest. I haven't been persistent in seeking justice for this case. But she has paid. She's been unwavering. She's been tenacious in her seeking God's justice in this case. And um, on the point of, he gives us promises to encourage us. To encourage us. So as she has been praying the Lord has actually been speaking to her. Um, I remember this one day, <clears throat> she woke me up um, at night, and she's like, Dando Voga, we need to pray. Um, I'm asleep. <laughs> really? I'm going to bed, so she wakes me up again. Voga, Voga, God gave me Isaiah 61, and something, a verse with a four. I'm like, okay. Oh, we need to read it before we pray. <laughs> I tell you this, that that passage spoke right into our situation. You can go and read it for yourself from verse four, Isaiah 61 from verse 14 right up to the end. That passage spoke, we cried, we ended up sobbing. I probably prayed the longest then, but... It spoke right into our situation. And that was an encouragement for us. That was God saying, hey, I'm still with you. I hear you. I hear you. I hear your cries. I hear your petitions. I am with you. And these are my promises. And just recently, she also, when I was at work this time, she's like, hey, girl. When I was praying again, God gave me Psalm 94. Again, that passage spoke right into our situation. Right, a confirmation, confirmation upon confirmation that God is faithful, that God is just. Right. We come to a judge with the right of constant access. We can approach the throne of grace and mercy at any time, at any point. As I There's no time where you go knocking, it's the doors. No, we have a judge who is constantly accessible to us, right? And then lastly, on, from the passage of um, this parable, it says, when the Son of Man, will he, when the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on the earth? Um, and this follows through from Jesus speaking about the coming of the kingdom in chapter 17. Um, and Jesus is basically saying that unless we know who God is, or unless we are, very, we are convinced of who God is, and we've just seen some of his characteristics, and unless we are people who are tenacious and unwavering in prayer, we don't yet have the kind of faith that Jesus will look for when he returns. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 says, 
pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. A favorite verse of mine is Philippians 4, verse 4, verse 4 to 7. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, always. I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, this is a promise, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Sorry. And the, so we move on to now the, the parable of the Pharisee and, and the tax collector. And this reading is from verse 9 to 14. Right? And it reads, He also told the parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men, two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Right? It said, again, Luke tells us why Jesus told this parable, right? And he told this parable um, to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And, and as a result, they treated others with contempt, which means they, they treated others with disrespect or disgust or um, they made a mockery of others. Jesus sees, or saw r- rather, right through the Pharisees' hearts, um, just like he sees right through our hearts, right? Jesus sees the motives of our hearts. Pharisees, as we know, were a group of influential people, um, and they emphasized the meticulous um, observation of God's law. And, and, they, and through that, they thought that that was a, a means of attaining righteousness, and retaining God's favor. Tax collectors, on the other hand, um, were known to be notoriously dishonest. They were referred to as sinners. And so this tax collectors were actually a group of people that were treated with contempt by the Pharisees. Right? The Pharisees, Jesus could see that the Pharisees had a false sense of confidence in themselves that they had worked and earned righteousness. They took 
pride in the outward conformity of extra-biblical regulations or traditions that they had created for themselves even. But Jesus could see that they actually had impure hearts. Verse 11 to 12 says, The Pharisee standing by himself prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. <laughs> Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. This guy went up to pray, but he didn't pray. Literally. <laughs> he didn't. Um, and he mentioned, he, he uses the word I five times in one verse. My goodness. <laughs> He's, he begins by saying, God, I thank you that I. Come on, man. <laughs> that He's so self-absorbed that in his so-called praying, he's not thanking God for all that God has done for him. But instead, he's bragging to God about his own moral uprightness. He sees himself as a person of honor because he is not like the extortioners. He's not like the tax collector. He's not like the adulterers. And he mentions all of these things that he thinks make him more morally upright. The tax collector, on the other hand, cannot even lift up his eyes to heaven. He can't because of shame. Instead, he beat his chest, which, which is a sign of contrition, like a, a hard posture of, of deep, deep repentance. It's almost as if he was saying, oh, this wicked heart, right? The contrast between the two, the Pharisee and the tax collector, the Pharisee thought that he was not like other men, that he was better than them. And the tax collector also thought that he was not like other men, but that he was worse than them. If there was not another sinner in the world, he was the one. And in a world full with, with sinners, he was the preeminent offender. He was the sinner of sinners. That's what he consider, considered himself to be. The sinner of sinners. That's how remorseful he was. We can imagine... Um, the Pharisee uh, praying in eloquent words, um, flowing, you know, sounding very nice. And on the other hand, we can imagine the tax collector who could not even lift up his eyes, praying very awkwardly. But that awkward prayer is the prayer that pleased God. The Pharisee relied on his own power and deeds before God, but the tax collector relied on the mercy and the compassion of God. He said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Verse 14, it reads, I tell you, this man went down to his house, the tax collector, he went down to his house justified rather than the other. 
For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. He left the temple being justified because he did what? He humbled himself before the Lord. Right? The Pharisee thought that he was righteous and tried to justify himself. But the tax collector depended solely on God's mercy. And as a result, he received the gift of righteousness and was pronounced justified by God. James 4 verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. I was reading, no, it's not from this, but somewhere it says, true humbleness is simply seeing things the way that they are. The Pharisee saw himself as something great when he wasn't. The tax collector saw himself as a sinner needing God's mercy, which he was. The tax collector saw things the way that they are. He was in need of God's mercy because he was a sinner. A hard check for us. Um, Do we have a sense of entitlement when we come before God? Do we think that because we serve him in certain ways and that we're faithful in our giving or we serve in three different areas, do we think that we are more righteous and more deserving because of those things? As believers, right, is our justification by grace and our sanctification by works? Surely not. Do we as believers treat those that are not saved with contempt? Maybe we need to search our hearts and do a bit of a heart check to just to check if in some ways, actually I know that they are, in some ways we are proud. What ways are we being proud? Um, Yes, the tax collector was uh, a beautiful example of um, humility or embodying uh, humility. But we have the perfect example of humility embodied in Jesus Christ. Um, I'll be reading for, uh, from Philippians 2, verse 1 to 11. You can listen. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete by joy, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than others. The uh, The youth may remember how we ate some humble pie and at the youth camp where Tom told us how insignificant we are. (laughs) Um, Says, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only, sorry, look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the, same, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, the perfect example of humility, he emptied himself and he took the form of a servant and he was born in the likeness of man. He says, it says that he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And as I come to... Um, I land um, with my message, um, reading from verse 15 now to 17, the last part of this passage. It says that now they were bringing even infants to him, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God belongs to those who have childlike faith. Children have an incredible capacity to trust and to love. Um, children have faith in their, their parents. You know, they come to you with ridiculous requests, <laughs> like a unicorn bicycle or something. something. They really do, but they come to you knowing that mom and dad will listen to me. Actually, mom and dad will give me what I'm asking of them, right? Children come to, to their parents with everything, they find a rock, they come and show you the rock. They come to them with everything. With Tobek. <laughs> you know, they never think, oh, mom and dad will not have time to listen to me, or, or that I may be bothering them. Likewise, we can come to our heavenly father with anything. With anything. Um... And just lastly, I was actually going through a Bible reading plan on the Gentle and Lowly book that is in our library. Um, and the guy says, Jesus does not get frustrated or flustered when we continually come to him. Whether it is for fresh forgiveness, renewed pardon, with distress, with any need, with emptiness in us, much like the tax collector and the persistent widow. 
Our father does not get frustrated as us. He's not flustered by our persistence. He's not tired or annoyed with us continuing coming to him and asking for things. Um, I'm going to now lead us into um, a moment of response uh, and communion. Um, so we can stand and grab the elements of communion together. Um, I'd like to encourage us to carefully consider this moment. Um, maybe, maybe we need to do some business with God first, and you can take your time. There's absolutely no rush. Um, maybe we need to ask for renewed pardon from God. Maybe in some ways we've been like the, tech, the Pharisee. We can ask Jesus to show us if in any way we've been much like this Pharisee. And just like the tax collector, we can ask God for mercy. Um, Jesus' humility embodied. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count, it, count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to the point of death. And this is what we are remembering this morning when we take these elements. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped because of you and me. And today we can receive um, his gift and his mercy of mercy and grace afresh this morning. Maybe we need to repent of some things. Um, ask for repentance if you need to. But I'd like to encourage you to receive God's mercy and grace afresh this morning as we take these elements we may take the elements. Baba Twengwele, Baba Tunamanda Wonke. Baba Siabongo Musawa Kungak. O Sendele won. Baba Twengwele, Sias Tob. Pam Gobusobako. Thank you, Father, that you are God who is accessible at all times, that we can come to you at all times, Father God. And with you, Lord, you have promises for us. Thank you that you care for us. That you, thank you that you have a personal interest in our lives. Baba Father, we just, we give you glory and honor for all that you are. Baba Otwengwele, Mbilwen Zetu, Sidnigezu Dumo, Baba Otunamandla Wonge. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Kamonga. Wow. Well done, Ntando. Um, that was excellent. Yeah.